You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about process optimization. If you've listened to me talk about just about anything, you know how much I thrive on the optimization of both time and energy. And one of the ways we can do this to the nth degree is taking a deeper dive into the processes in our businesses, whether they're operational or delivery-based, doing a deep dive on process is a game changer when it comes to our businesses. And that's exactly what we're going to tackle today, process optimization. I met today's guest, Heidi Berger, at the Female Integrator Mastermind Summit in the fall of 2022. And I loved everything she had to say. We very much speak the same language and share a love for process efficiency. Heidi spent 25 years as an executive at Fortune 500 companies, helping to increase their profitability through process optimization, and has now ventured out into the world of entrepreneurship as co-creator of Process Optimizer, a business process optimization consultancy. She is all about improved performance and increased profitability. My kind of lady, welcome to Eloma, Heidi. Thank you, Kylie. It's wonderful to be here. We're excited to have you. All right, Heidi, I've got a slew of questions for you because I am I'm insatiably curious Let's talk about it. Where do small business owners need to start when it comes to process analysis? That's a great, interesting question because I think a lot of people start thinking about process as either a to-do or a project. And I really want to flip the paradigm and have people think about process as a function, as a business function. Okay. And recognize that it's got a seat at their table of leadership members. Okay. So, so in the sense of like, you might have a CMO, you might have a CTO, you really want to focus on operations, having a seat and an executive leadership at this, a seat at the table. Process specifically having a seat at the table rather okay. than process thinking versus about- operations. Right, exactly. So thinking about process, having that seat at the table, then you can always look around when you're having a conversation and point to that chair and say, do we have a process for this? Ah, Okay, I like that. So tell me more. How would you like to see that be implemented? So by having that seat at the table, what will happen during conversations and meetings Uh, across leadership team and other team members is if an issue is raised, we're going to first, instead of pointing to a person being a problem, we're first going to point to our process chair and say, Mm. do we have a process for that? I like that. If the answer is no, then we can focus on, okay, what again are those critical steps we need to capture in order to document our process so that we get that consistent outcome. Then once we have that in place, have it trained, have people agree to follow the process, then we can address people issues. Then we can use our scorecard because we're gonna have measurables aligned with our process. So it's really the foundation that you need. That's why I like to raise the importance and have that 
true seat at the table at the leadership level. And that really shows the team the importance of process. I like that. I very much like that uh, shift, that mindset shift. Um, Because what I'm also hearing you say is by doing so, this might also help people with finger pointing and blaming people. And we start working on the process before we start attacking each other. Exactly. Exactly. Because truly, (laughs) without a process, you can't point fingers at people because they're just doing what they think needs to be done in order to get their their tasks done. And, And too often I hear that there's this view of process oh, I just want to get it done. When, when things settle down, I'll get to my processes. You know, when, when it's summer, when we're out of our busy season, we'll get to process. When it's winter, when we're out of our busy season, we'll get to process. It's thought of as this thing, this checkbox, yeah. this project, and maybe initially to gather some of the work or work instructions. Yes, maybe you can view it as like a to-do or project, but I think having the focus of the team be that, you know what, they have a seat, process has a seat at the table mm-hmm. that will uh, establish the right thinking and foundation to go forward. Okay, I love that. Let's for a moment assume that people might not have a process person yet. Mm-hmm. How can they go about shifting their mindset to um, integrating process as you're talking about in more of their daily, like daily lives. Like I hear you say, it's not a to-do list, et cetera. It needs to be integrated and woven. How would somebody get started with that? So if, if there's an immediate need, meaning the wheels have fallen off some part of your business, sure. tackle that first and identify and, and engage your employees with the people doing the work, really find out what are the critical steps? First, name it. First, identify, okay, name what is it. that yep. process? It, yeah. You know, is it marketing? Is it a sub-process of marketing? You know, let's say it's lead generation. Let's say okay. we're not getting the revenue we desire. So we're going to name that lead generation. We're going to figure out, okay, what starts this process? Well, we've, we've identified this need, Okay. right? What, what's the desired end state? So typically marketing hands off to sales. So we think about, okay, we're going to ask our salespeople, what do you need from us? Because they're our customer, Mm -hmm. you know, they're marketing's customer. So we're going to go through and say, okay, marketing needs this to be qualified. They just don't need this deluge of leads. They need some Mm -hmm. kind of qualification. So we're Mm -hmm. going to understand what our internal customer sales needs in terms of qualification, knowing that they're the experts and they're going to do some more qualification. Mm -hmm. Then with the people that are going to be doing this lead generation or doing it today currently, we're going to capture what are the critical high-level steps, you know, 20% to get you 80%, yeah. staying high level, stay out of the weeds, okay. build the foundation first. We're going to go through step-by-step step and figure out, okay, what do we need to do to generate leads? Okay. Then along the way, we're going to capture those. Then we're going to take a step back from that, that lead generation process and say, okay, are there any indicators that tell us early in this process, rather than at the end of the process, that the process is going to fail? Those are what we call leading indicators, leading measurables, leading KPIs. We're going to identify mm-hmm. what those are. 
maybe for in this example, it could be that we need to have generated so many leads from this particular source that we've identified. Okay. And if we haven't, then we need to go back to the drawing board, do some more research, find another source, that sort of thing. Then we're going to, um, so we're going to capture those leading indicators. Then we're going to look at how do we know this process is successful? We're going to look at the lagging mm-hmm. indicators, right? Reporting the news. And that could be number of qualified leads. Maybe it's a conversion rate. Maybe we start with 100, but by the time we get ready to hand them off to sales, we only have 25. So that's what our conversion rate, established goals. And then are there any of those steps that maybe we could put in a compliance measurable, meaning we could verify that the employee that's doing this process has actually performed that step. So maybe we could audit that a checklist has been completed Uh, or that the CRM has been updated, you know, with all the required fields. So we want to identify the steps, identify the process, identify the measurables of success for that process Mm -hmm. as a first step. And that's where I would suggest that that small business owners start. I love that. Thank you for breaking that down. And so, so taking that lens, we could look at literally every single aspect of our business and infuse process into it to tighten everything up. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And I would start with your organizational chart, your accountability chart, your functional accountability chart, whatever you call it. And that should form your, the foundation for the critical functions. And each critical function should have a process associated with it and measurables associated with the process. And for some functions like operations, you might have to go a a layer or two deep to get at some real meat for the core. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Okay. So, so you could, we could drill down on all areas of our business, but we're talking about the ones to specifically focus on are those critical, the critical uh, functions you had said. Yeah. And operations might have a few extra layers. You've asked for it, so I'm building it. I've taken the feedback I've received over the last year regarding our in-person workshops and retreats, and I'm building out a masterclass for women looking to leave corporate and launch their own consulting business. I know most of you are planners, so you're not looking to jump ship tomorrow, nor should you. So we're building out the most comprehensive six-month course with over a dozen industry experts that will meet virtually once a week live to answer any questions and create the community necessary to succeed in entrepreneurship while giving you the opportunity to digest the content when it works best for you and your schedule. This first cohort will launch October 3rd. I meet every Tuesday for six months with a few adjustments for the holidays. You'll gain access to the starter kit, six months of content, walking you through everything you need to know how to start your consulting business the right way. In addition to three one-on-one coaching sessions, Since this is our pilot program, we're offering what would be a $10,000 investment for $7,000 and payment plans are available as needed. Working with all these experts would cost you well over $60,000 though. So save yourself 50 grand and a few years of trying to figure it out on your own and join us this October for a program that I promise will change your life. Learn more at ricksrixmasterclass.com.
All right. So as business owners are trying to, because we all know that process is important, right? Mm -hmm. We know this, just like we know we should be eating vegetables, Yes, but we (laughs) might not do it. Right. Because we're too busy. Exactly. It's like, it's easier to just grab like a granola bar and then like eat those starchy carbs, you know, uh, (laughs) guilty as charged. Um, but as we try to build better habits, how are, how can we start to start making a move? Is it like we create this checklist of our critical functions, start somewhere, start small. Do we do a kickoff call? Do we do like a boot camp? Do what's the best way to get started? And then how do we, how do we maintain? So what I would do is, is identify if you've got a critical issue that you can point to that process chair that we've got at our table Got it. and get a win with a process. Show the team, engage the team, engage your employees. You know, we recommend testing and piloting. So after you've developed this lead generation process, test it a few times with the employees that helped build it. Which to is show key. them. Oh, right, exactly. Uh, to show them, hey, this works. I'm not being micromanaged. I've got a framework to operate on. This is good. And oh, by the way, as you're going through testing and piloting, start to identify, you know what, we need a checklist, we need a train video, you know, we need some screenshots, whatever that right format is for the people that are going to be using the process, Mm -hmm. figure out how they're going to best learn. And then you've got some process champions, then you can show the rest of the organization, okay, this isn't this, this huge thing. We're not going to micromanage you. We're going to have success. It's actually liberating. And then you'll have people clamoring to do the other functions and processes along the way. And you can prioritize, you know, going forward. A couple of things I love that you just said there is the importance of bringing in the whole team so that it's not operating in a silo and you're getting buy-in in real time to create those process champions so that people are not feeling micromanaged. That's, I love that. That's huge. So, and that, that engagement will help you going forward. Like, don't think of this as, as a leadership function. Your job as a leader is to remove any obstacles to allow people to test and pilot and do their work, right? That that's your role. You have to hold people accountable, designate people responsible for the testing and pilot and identifying and creating those those sub-processes, those work instructions, those how-to documents, you'll get better compliance, you'll have built-in trainers, and they're going to create better materials because they're of the sort that are going to be using them and training people going forward. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's just so many benefits to engaging the team through this work. And, and, you know, we've all had those training documents that are like 30 pages long and nobody reads it. So I think that's also an important thing you just mentioned is like, make sure that it's being documented in the way that it's going to be helpful for those using it. Yes. Right. Longer is not necessarily better in this situation. Um, So Heidi, as we, and I'm sure the answer to this question is it depends, but as we start to implement these things, How long can we expect this process to take? You talk about testing and piloting. Are we talking like three weeks, three months, 
a full year kind of thing? Or what's the best way to, to fail fast and fail early kind of thing? So it depends. <laughs> there, <laughs> you it. <laughs> there you it. go. So what I recommend is, and it depends on your cycle time of your business. So if you've got, let's go back to our lead generation process. If you've got a lead generation process and we can go out and do some research and we can have several tests and pilots, you know, done in two, three, four weeks, because we still got to do our other job at the same time. That yeah, would be exactly. great. Right. So that, that is something we could probably do in that short amount of time. So a few then, weeks. Right. Then if okay. you think about, we work a lot with general contractors. So they've got building projects. Mm. So if I'm looking at a project management process, mm. if I only use one project, that could be 12, 18 months, two years, three years. So what we recommend mm. is using multiple projects at, mul at different times to test different parts of the process. So you can accelerate the cycle oh. time to get all this testing and piloting done, you know, we've seen success. Some really have like, this is the 90 day process quarter in terms of getting all the testing and piloting done. Others get some wins in a quarter, but, and then try and get kind of all of the high level ones done and tested over the course of a year. So, okay. you know, again, it depends. <laughs> just the, do, the infamous just answer. do something. Yeah. Just do just something. Start. Yeah. Maintain momentum, show the team, communicate a lot to the rest of the organization. Hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, uh, talk about it, it at every quarterly state of the company. If you're doing those, just yep. get that process bug in everybody's ear and, and develop those champions, have them speak about their success. Just again, engage those employees and they can help you roll these out and yeah. be successful. You know, um, I'm working with a client right now and, and we started talking about some process improvement and it can be really overwhelming. It can be super overwhelming. So uh, I, one of the things that we had started working on was like, okay, you know, let's stop the bleeding kind of thing. Right. What, to your point, like, what is the, uh, what is the immediate thing that needs to be addressed? Okay. Now what's the next thing that's going to have the greatest impact. And so, you know, you start working with some of those big boulders and then you can get down into some of the nitty gritty as, as time allows. Um, so Heidi, as you've been working with business owners, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see owners make on a regular basis? You know, I, I think there's there's two extremes. There's paralysis where they don't know where to start and they yes. keep thinking about putting it off when we're not so busy. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other extreme, which is the 20 page beautiful document that covers every detail, every scenario that nobody uses. Yep. So it, it's it's the extreme and I want people in the middle, right? You yeah. Know. So make it more accessible. Right. Exactly. Continue to focus on what's critical. Have everyone clear on what the end is. Yeah. You know, get alignment around what is the end of this process. And then what do we need to do to get to that end? It sounds so simple when you say it like that. It is. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but we create these narratives in our heads that just yeah. get in our own way. Yes, because we're viewing process as this big, hairy project, 
big hairy to do that. It's something we've got to do when we're not busy instead of giving it the priority that it needs that seat at the table and just doing something, getting some process champions. And then you'll be amazed at how liberating it is. It won't be like eating your vegetables. (laughs) Oh gosh. I need more vegetables in my life. Um, (laughs) No, but I love, I love that this mindset shift of let's not, let's stop making this so scary and just break it down and, and do it piece by piece. Yeah, right. Um, so that being said, what are the top maybe three things that you would say owners can or should start to do right now to see improvement in their processes right away? So once they've built them, I mean, first is identify the ones that are, like you said, let's figure out where, where we can have the biggest bang for our buck right now, get some quick wins really measuring the processes and then continuing to look at their issues list to Mm -hmm. see, are there any other issues surfacing as we've outlined this process? Or are there things surfacing that say, you know what, as we documented what we're doing, there's a whole lot of manual intervention. There's a whole lot of duplication of work. Again, start with something better, not perfect. Then you can start to improve on it. And by stepping back and, and really looking at the process and thinking through it and you know maybe observing the people do the work or listening to how they do the work, then you can start to see and hear where you can make those improvements. Are there From, any? You know, Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, then you can start to see maybe there's a technology or automation that would help, you know, by, by surfacing all of the tools that people are using for processes. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear regularly that people and clients will find a, a system to solve a problem. Yeah. And then the system creates another problem because they just bolted on a system, which doesn't talk to their other systems, Right. Yep. So they've got a band-aid to, to make the systems talk to each other. Whereas if they really looked at how the whole worked, they yep. might come to a different system solution or different solution altogether. Technology architecture is a whole nother beast, man. And yeah. it is one I have failed famously at. Uh, <laughs> and I am desperately working on leveling my game there. Um are there any areas of people's business that you commonly see as like, this is this 90% of the time, this is where people need to start? HR and the hiring process and screening and onboarding uh, particularly is lacking, but then that drives back to needing other processes because in order to onboard successfully, we need processes in our in the functions that we're onboarding into. So we we typically, right. We typically see that gap in onboarding. People are so concerned about their customers. They forget to wear that hat of a new employee, which is like a new customer. And what's Mm -hmm. that experience like? Mm -hmm. You know, are we prepared for them? Do we have a plan? Do we have a path to engage them, to train them, to onboard them? And that's what typically signals, oh my gosh, we have gaps in other areas. So it's kind of chicken and egg. Yeah. Uh, that's a good call though. Mm-hmm. That is that's definitely loaded with a lot of opportunities there. Right. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So that's where we see a lot of people mm -hmm. struggling. Um, as we're talking, so we talked about some quick wins. What are some, if there are any like long-term initiatives that we should be planning for? I know we're talking about like, take it one piece at a time. Don't make it this big, hairy thing, but in a perfect world, are there any long-term initiatives that you would recommend people to think about? You know, I think the, the long-term view is once we've got our processes documented, we've built out the procedures and the how-to and the work instruction and any associated policies or mandates or way we want things done, mm -hmm. then getting on a regular review cycle of continuous improvement mm. of the processes. And, and then just continuing that cycle having process have that seat at the table consistently, using your scorecards, you know, your dashboards and identifying issues. And then that just becomes your rhythm that you're in, yeah. which is that continuous improvement optimization cycle. It's never ending, right? Yeah. Well, and it shouldn't be. No. There's always things that come up, different ways right. to tweak it, make it better. Right. Which, you know, new, new technology will emerge. So you'll have to address... Yeah. Hey, how does that fit in? Do we need to change a process? You know, maybe the, the whole type of worker that you need changes, you know, sure. given some other changes. So you always have to be open to going back to that process and making sure that it's still relevant mm -hmm. and is giving you the desired results, which is why, again, scorecards are so important. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a question on scorecards, but um one comment I just wanted to make is, you know, just because it's the way you've always done it does not mean it's the best way for it to be done. And I think that's something we need to keep in mind as owners is, you know, it's great if it's working, but there's usually opportunities for improvement. Um, Heidi, as you're, you've mentioned scorecard a couple of times, are there a few like specific KPIs or things that you would recommend businesses put on their scorecard? And maybe for anyone listening who doesn't know what a scorecard is, share a little bit about what that includes. Sure. So I believe that every process will have measurables, metrics, or KPIs. And what those are doing on your scorecard or your dashboard or whatever you're reviewing, whatever you call that thing you're reviewing mm -hmm. weekly or monthly, that's predicting your business. That's mm -hmm. how I want people to view scorecards, measurables, metrics, KPIs as yep. predictors of what's coming. And the way to decide if it's a predictor of what's coming is to use it to look back to say, did my scorecard help me this past week, month, quarter predict where I'm going in the next week, month, quarter? Yep. And yep. if, if, if the, the measures or the KPIs or the metrics don't do that, then measure something else. Try it for another nine days. Right. Don't get hung up. You know, measure more than less. Don't have perfect systems to capture measurables. It could be as simple as some, uh, you know, an Excel spreadsheet that we've created with a couple of rows and columns, and we're just going to capture tally marks. It could be a piece mm -hmm. of paper. Just gather the data and mm -hmm. then look at it after a trend, which is typically 90 days, 13 mm -hmm. weeks of data and say, looking at it, Hey, is this helpful? Is this a good predictor of where we're going? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then keep it. If not 
Talk about what else you can put on there. And there should be metrics associated with each process. All right. With each process. Okay, good. Um, so we talked a little bit about, I just want to loop back before I forget to ask about this. We talked a little bit about technology and how that can yeah. change the game, right? Are there any technologies that you recommend small business owners leverage when they're diving into process optimization? So we had one client tell us about a technology that they were using. It happened to be a, a learning management system, like training content mm -hmm. housing system, which I do recommend. But they had uh, a phrase that said, be careful that your technology doesn't become the junk drawer of SOPs. Uh. So we all <laughs> have junk drawers. Yep. Just be sure whatever technology you use, whether it's SharePoint, Google Drive, you know, there's tons of workflow software like Asana's and Trello's and Monday.com. There's, you know, the knowledge management platforms like Trainual or Playbook Builder. Just ensure that they don't become the junk drawer of SOPs because that's just as bad as having a 25-page document printed out on a shelf somewhere. All right. All right. I love it. So no, but no specific recommendations, right? It's all, you know, whatever works for you kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, um, I mean, you need the process documented, right? Yeah. I like, you know, for, for some processes, like think about project management that mm -hmm. are very task oriented that we need to track. There's there's different people owning tasks. There's different due dates. There's a lot of interdependencies. So a workflow management system like the Asana's, Trello's, Monday.com may be appropriate to just bring visibility to that we're keeping tasks on track because yeah. that would be a good process measurable for that particular process, right? That yep. would be the early warning indicator. If we're missing deadlines, you know, along the way, okay, yep. we've got to stop and do something. So that, you know, but that may only be several processes of, of the total for a company, right? They're mm -hmm. not all suited for workflow management. Sure. No, you know, but that's a, Go ahead. yeah, sorry. I was just going to say that's even a good uh, mindset shift too, is like leveraging the technologies you have and taking a look at the activity and how it's being used as a leading indicator. So like it doesn't even maybe, maybe it's not a specific KPI that's on a scorecard yet, right? right? But it, maybe you're already tracking something and you just didn't even realize it. Right. You just need to bring like that, that visibility to it on a more frequent basis. Mm -hmm. if, if you're using something like a workflow management system, that's, you know, very task oriented. Yeah. And Heidi, a lot of the conversation we've been having here as we talk about process optimization um, is talking a lot about lean. And I know you have a background in lean. So just curious, how do you, for anybody listening who doesn't know what lean is, could you tell us a little bit about it and how do you leverage that in the work that you're doing? Sure. So Toyota made lean famous after World War II when they started to look at their processes and really ask questions from a customer perspective, and it could be an internal or external customer. And it's really around the value of each of the processes and process steps. If it was an isolated activity, 
would the customer be willing to pay for it on its own? So that's the lens that we bring. We're the voice of the customer, whether it's internal or external. Mm -hmm. And we're continuing to ask questions along the way. You know, why are you doing this? Have you thought about that? You know, is this a case where we've always done it this way and nobody now remembers why we've always done it this way? Mm -hmm. So it's really getting clarity on what's the output? What, what are we trying to get to? What's that end state for the customer? And then how do we deliver those? What are those steps? And then eliminating any waste or identifying waste and making a plan to eliminate it later. And then there's that continuous improvement cycle. Yep. So yeah, I love lean it. Lean in a very quick nutshell. I've I've been learning a little bit about lean over the last couple of years, um, just mm -hmm. through some people I've met, and it's so fascinating and necessary <laughs> for right. and it's simple for this right? work. <laughs> right, right. And if the you're idea not is sure, simple, yeah. but but we got to follow through on it. That's where we all right. fail. <laughs> right. You know, it's so fascinating. We. You know, we do these two-day workshops where we travel around to clients and help them do their processes. Mm -hmm. And we ensure that we've got, you know, in my, my marketing example, that we've got sales in the room because sales is a customer of marketing. We'll often include accounting in the room too, because accounting has to unravel everything that's done before them mm -hmm. in order for us to get paid and pay our vendors. So if we're not sure about what our customer wants, we'll ask them, right? So it's part of the process. It's like, we won't assume, you know, we'll think, well, maybe accounting will need this done in this way. Well, maybe they don't. And we've got them in the room. So we're going to ask them. It's like, well, yeah. what do you really need? Yeah. Sales, what do you really need from us mm -hmm. in marketing? So again, it's that where your customer hat, whether you're internal or external, and if you have to go to your external customers, you know, get together a small focus group, ask them. You'd be amazed yeah. what you find out, what they value versus what you think they value. I know, right? We get in our own way so often. Yeah. We just make all these crazy assumptions. Right. And um, I'm all about facts and data versus opinions. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got opinions, but that doesn't always take <laughs> us very far. <laughs> I am so excited to announce the launch of our Defining Success Mastermind. This is a six-month program that will meet once a month virtually for two hours. You'll be led by a seasoned business expert with a guest speaker each month based on that month's topic. We'll also be placing people into mastermind groups quite strategically to ensure you're properly matched with others having similar challenges or in similar places in their business. The value of this program is estimated to be over $12,000, but we're bringing it to you for just $350 a month. We'll be launching new groups twice a year, once in July and again in January, with application cutoff dates at the end of May and at the end of November, respectively. So don't miss out and apply today for free at ricksrixmastermind.com. So you talk about your uh, your your workshops. What are you guys working on now? What are you excited about for any any upcoming projects? You know, I think it's just continuing to help teams and clients grow their businesses and achieve scale through having processes in place yeah. and really demystifying that the whole process thing. And that, you know, it's, I have to remind myself that it's a new experience for every client. 
because it's not a new experience for me and my team, because we've done hundreds of these, Mm -hmm. that it truly is a new journey for every client, which is what we're all passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good reminder. You know, we tell ourselves that, you know, we need to productize our services. We need to streamline our offerings. And sometimes it's like, oh, but I need to reinvent it because it's so boring or we've been doing it for so long. But we have to remind ourselves, no, this is a first experience for many of our clients. So like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Keep keep doing the thing you know works in terms of like for you right now, process optimization. So for all of the owners listening, if you feel like you're tiring of, of providing the same service over and over or that the service itself is getting tiring, just remind yourself that this is a new experience for your end user. You may have done it a thousand times. You know, I've seen a lot of concerts lately and it's like, wow, look at them. They're such great performers. It's like they've put on the same show hundreds of times. Right. Like, yeah, there's a reason. (laughs) Exactly. The one thing that that we're, uh, I think, having to acknowledge now is AI. Yeah. And how that fits in to what we do. And I think AI could be a good starting point to help people think about process, but it does not replace what's actually happening in the business by people doing the work, by engaging your employees. So I think it can give you a leg up, but to use it in a vacuum, again, it's creating that 20 page beautiful document that nobody's going to use. It's a tool. Think about it as a tool in the toolbox, right? Yeah. It's not a standalone thing. Nobody's job is going to be replaced because we're going to do all our processes through AI. Leverage the tool. I like that. It's always nice to know what tools we have available. And I know AI is exciting and scary to a lot of people. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay, Heidi, I've got a couple last questions for you. Uh, I love asking this question. What impact do you want to make on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? For me, it's about asking questions and listening. So it's about being interested in what people are and what people are doing rather than being interesting. And then I'm I'm coining the phrase from my husband. You know, he (laughs) he always talks about being interested, not interesting. And you're laughing because you've met him. Um, He's a very dynamic man. (laughs) Yes. So for me, it's truly understanding people through asking questions and then listening. That's, I love that's that. the legacy I want to, I want to demonstrate that that's, that's valuable and valuable. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And my last one for you, what is your greatest insight or discovery about both life and entrepreneurship? You know, I thought about this question a lot and I I would call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I had my career in corporate America, was very satisfied with that. And only as I exited corporate America and became a coach, did I stumble into an entrepreneurship with with my co-creator and put together this idea and this concept. And I have found a way to help people leveraging my unique ability. And that, that brings me joy every day. Yep. So, so lever you tapping into your unique skill set has brought you joy in both life and entrepreneurship. Yes. Yes. 
I love that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Heidi, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of your words of wisdom. For anybody listening who would like to get in touch or learn more about you, what is the best way for them to do that? You can check out our our business website at processoptimizer.biz and you can connect with us through links there and you can take a self-assessment as well to gauge where you're at on the process portion of your business. I love that. I love that. For anybody listening, uh, thank you so much. And if you've loved this conversation as much as I have, please go ahead and leave us a review. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any weekly episodes, uh, definitely sign up on uh, rain9, R-A-Y-N-E-I-X.com to receive our weekly newsletter. Heidi, thank you so much again for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been my pleasure, Kylie. Thank you for having me. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.